Welcome in everybody to SEC Football and Beyond. I am Chris Landry and yes, Neil McCready will be joining us on what has turned out to be a very busy day. Um, and Neil's working on a story, some breaking news that is um, he's working on that is uh, around the, the, the world of um, SEC baseball. And as, as you see the aforementioned Neil McCready right there, Neil, welcome. Uh, I was just telling the folks that we are, it's a busy day. It's uh, you know a lazy June 15th and nothing's going on other than We've got the College Baseball World Series, and we, we are a predominantly football show, but we weave in a lot of stuff. But not often do you have, like, breaking news potential components as we do the show live, but we do have that, uh, obviously. Um, LSU has a baseball opening. We'll get into that, kind of where that has gone and why that has hit roadblocks um, the past couple of weeks as Paul Maneri is officially retired at LSU. But obviously, LSU is, uh, they, I, I have talked, Neil, Neil is on top of it. I'm going to turn it over to him. I know LSU has uh, made an offer, I was told this morning. Uh, and, um, you know, we're going to see where that goes. We, we, we probably won't have an answer for you before we go off the air live. But we're going to have an answer today. Um, you know, more than likely, you know, I, I don't know that. I shouldn't say that. It may take a little bit longer, but we're. We're on the cusp. Neil, uh, man, it's appreciate you joining us uh, on, on your show. Uh, he's so busy that look, sometimes things take a priority. That's why that's why we do it together. Because sometimes bleep happens as we're doing this show live. Good morning, my friend. Good morning, Chris. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> you 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 probably and and probably because you're you're. Yeah. I'm just laughing. The old Sammy says, good morning, Chris, in empty chair. It's not empty anymore. The, the, the handsome one has returned from his important phone call. Go ahead. Uh, so, um, <laughs> you know, I, I've got, as you know, a lot of experience as a as a former newspaper guy. And, and I've I've treated this site as newspaper ish as I can over the last 13 years. And so on these coaching searches or coaching developments, always try to be 100% before you get out on a limb because kind of once you climb out on a limb, it's hard to turn around and get back to the trunk of the tree. Uh, so you probably just said that a little stronger than I'd feel completely comfortable with it, but I think you're absolutely probably right at the same time. Um, I can't independently confirm that LSU has extended an offer to a coaching candidate but I've heard it from enough people who are connected to it to believe that that's probably true. Um, I, I, I believe that if that offer has been extended, and again, I think it probably has, I just can't independently confirm that it has. Um, it's to Mike Bianco, the Ole Miss coach. And while I, I, I feel compelled to say I don't know precisely what Mike would do because because I don't know what is in this offer, my everything that I'm hearing, everything that uh, every instinct is that Mike will take it. Um, he's been at Ole Miss for 21 seasons. It's a long time, Chris, when you think about it. He took this job when he was in his early 30s, very early 30s. He was, for those who don't know, Mike played two seasons at LSU, 
Then he was an assistant on uh, Skip Bertman's staff. He was a part of three national championship teams at LSU. He left LSU to be the head coach at McNeese, which is a uh, small school in uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana. And then uh, he did a phenomenal job at, at McNeese, and he got hired at Ole Miss to rebuild a, a program that had kind of hit a wall. And Mike's done a terrific job at Ole Miss. There's a, a flaw in his resume in 20 seasons. He's been there 21, but you can't hold 2020 against anybody because nobody had an opportunity to get to Omaha because there was no Omaha. Um, but in 20 seasons, he's been to the College World Series once. That's not a good number. Now, on the flip side, in 20 seasons, he's been to the NCAA tournament 17 times, 85% of the time. It's a hell of an accomplishment. In 20 seasons, he's hosted a regional in Oxford 10 times, half the time. It's a remarkable number. There are a handful of programs that do better than that, but most programs would look at that and go, oh, pump that straight into my veins. He's been able to do that at Ole Miss. Um, he has coached in, I think it's nine games, where if Ole Miss won, it would have advanced to the College World Series. You can probably guess the number. He's one and eight. Uh, that's a bad number. That's so. There's a there's a consistency to him that that he has pretty much turned Ole Miss into a program that is consistently somewhere between the ninth and sixteenth best program in the country, which is really good, unless your goal is to be one of the best eight. At which point you're right there at the door and you're banging on the door and it just won't budge. So LSU's gamble here is, and we've talked about this a lot. LSU, this is a complicated thing for LSU. This is more than just a search for a baseball coach. This is LSU. Uh, the, the program has fallen off a little bit in the last few years under Paul Maneri. It's still a very good program. They just played in a super regional in Knoxville. It, they, it's it's a it's a good program, but it's not the program that it was in its heyday. At this point, it got all the resources in the world to be that program, but it's not right now. But there, as you know, Chris, we've talked about this a lot on this show. There has been a lot of things that have happened at LSU off the field. There's a Title IX investigation that um, has already gotten ugly and has a chance to get even uglier. You've got a, a men's basketball coach who is certainly in the crosshairs of the NCAA as to what may or may not happen. He's caught on a federal wiretap talking about a strong-ass offer, and there's other stuff too. So LSU really needs to hire a um, – a clean they need a they need a clean baseball coach. They need somebody to come in with baseball that they won't have to worry about. They need a baseball program that is running that is competitive, that is winning at a high level, but that they're not having to send people they're not having to use resources from a compliance standpoint or whatnot to deal with baseball when they've got all these issues in other sports. And Mike is squeaky clean. Uh, he's a, a fantastic person. His wife Cammy is a absolute community leader here in oxford they're they're uh their kids i believe she's from baton rouge i think cammy is from baton rouge she went to lsu um they uh the, the all the kids are gone with the exception of the youngest Catherine, who is a uh, will be a rising senior at oxford high school this fall so you know they've 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 been a big part of the community 21 years is a long time lsu offers mike an opportunity to to, to coach at his alma mater it off, offers him an opportunity to reset to uh, he's going to have a honeymoon phase because all new coaches have honeymoon phases and, and LSU is making the gamble. If, if this happens, and I think it will, 
LSU is making the gamble that, hey, look, we think we're a better program than Ole Miss. We think that that if he can get to this place at Ole Miss, we can get him over the top. We can take him from that one win away from the Omaha, which is what they've been the last two seasons. They lost in game three of the Arkansas Super Regional in 2019. They lost in game three of the Tucson Super Regional on Sunday night. So they've been one game away, one win away from Omaha a bunch. And LSU's gamble is that, well, we think we're at least one game better as a program than LSU, and we'll get him there. And so we'll find out. And then if that happens, uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Keith Carter, the Ole Miss Athletics Director, to make a kind of a splashy – and splashy is the wrong word, but it's the only word that's coming to mind – make a, a hire that, that, that is, makes it very indicative to a fan base and to recruits that, hey, I know our coach left for LSU. We're happy for him. We're not taking a step back. If anything, we're taking a step forward. And there aren't that many names out there who represent that. Because for all of the criticism of Mike, and there's plenty of it here, you also have to acknowledge what he's done for your program. It, it's You see the pictures, Chris, we talked about, I think back in, you know, because it was, hey, God, isn't it great to be back to normal with, with um uh, after COVID, you know, Ole Miss played Arkansas here. I think it was in April, and it was, it was kind of you know the, all the mask mandates had been expired. Restaurants were back open. The stadium was back to a hundred percent, and we referred to that, if you remember correctly, as normal. Isn't it great to be back to normal? Well, that normal didn't exist before Mike Bianco. Mike's made Ole Miss baseball a a, a must see thing. If you are an Ole Miss person, if you live near Oxford, if you, you you come up from Jackson or down from Memphis or over from Birmingham on, on five SEC weekends a year for baseball. Well, not everybody has that. And Ole Miss didn't always have that. So it's a complicated thing, as it is for anybody who's been in a job for 21 years when he or she leaves for another job. I personally think it's time. I don't think the program is stale necessarily, but it feels like it is bumping against a ceiling. And whether that's Mike's ceiling or whether that's Ole Miss's ceiling or whether that's just Mike's Ole Miss ceiling is something that there's only one way to find out, and that's to move forward. And I, I think that um, I, I, I think Mike's going to be the head coach at LSU. I don't know that it's going to happen today. If you told me it happened today, I'm not surprised. I do think it's likely to happen. But this is where journalistically. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, absolutely. You get nervous on the journalism thing because here's what you don't know, right? You don't know that he's not going to take it. Or, you know, you don't know yeah. what, you know, you, you don't just know don't know. Last these, minute. Are humans. these are humans. And and he does have a daughter who's still in high school. So you don't know if in, in, in when it comes to that moment when you have to pull the trigger on changing your life, you don't know if he says, you know what? This is my program. I built this. Ole Miss is, let me make this clear, Ole Miss is not firing Mike Bianco. Not, not a chance. Not this year. They were one win away from Omaha. So you don't know whether he goes, hey, you know what? This is not something I wanted to do. And then you know where this goes, Chris, where everybody goes, was there an offer? Was there not an offer? You don't really usually formally present the offer to the person's right. representation until you know he or she is going to take it. And so – that's where we are in these hours and it's why my phone could ring at any minute or it might take till tomorrow or, or whatever. But 
but that's where it certainly appears to be headed. Your 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 sources that you referenced before this long ten minute diatribe here, I agree with them. Skip Hartman's been been told been recruiting Mike Hart. Yes, I think that is so, true. I mean, he's just been. I mean, so I mean, there we can. Yeah, we can get semantics and correct. You, you don't have to say, Mike. It's not like. Um, Get down on one knee, sweetheart. Will you marry me? I and mean, that's that's a formal thing that you do when you're you having somebody's hand in marriage. Doesn't happen that way in coaching searches. It is, you know, you don't, you know, it is. You're making an offer. It's pretty clear what they're doing. I mean, you know, but you're not you're not mouthing the words. The wedding, is- the wedding example is a really good one. Like if you're the guy that you go by the ring and you get down on the knee. If there's even a thought in the back of your mind that she might not say yes, right? <laughs> if if you're down on your knee with with the ring in your hand and you say, baby, and you start in on the diatribe of all, you know, all the, the, the you love her and you can't live. If there's even a thought in the back of your mind that, you know what, she might not do this. You might not need to be asking this right this moment. You might want to get to a place where there's a little bit more. Exactly right. Exactly (laughs) right. Well, and a couple of things on this. Um, So people say, all right, so Skip Burtman making a heart. No. Um, Scott Woodard, the athletic director, is a guy that likes to make big splash hires. That's his thing. That's his, you know, uh, he's only only really made one. um, And and that's the women's basketball coach. And Kim Mulkey, he got because of her ties to Louisiana. But I can tell you that the the person that he had helped convince Kim to come happened to be a really good friend of mine. The longest tenured coach in LSU sports history is the lady that just retired, D.D. Bro. D.D., the gymnastics coach. D.D. and I grew up in the same subdivision together in the little town, Donaldsonville, Louisiana, between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. And so... Once they were, he was going after Kim Mulkey. That was an easy hire, right? I mean, she's won three titles. She is the big splash hire in that world. So, um, there she go. He he wanted to go big game hunting here. Um, there was never anything like with the Tim Corbin or a Dave Van Horn. Uh, Kevin O'Sullivan was somebody that they wanted. Yes. And Kevin O'Sullivan wanted the job yes but the issue off the field i don't want to get into it you check that out and all that that and we discussed this friday that was rejected by the board before an official board meeting you 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 don't go to again you don't go to official board meeting unless you've run it by all those people and they they give the stamp because why have a meeting and have them rejected you should know that beforehand so that did more, and, and that's when Kevin took his name out of the the job after was told he wasn't going to get it. Um, Pat Casey, the former Oregon State baseball coach, is now in administration as somebody that Scott wanted. Successful, you know, coach there. That died on the vine, as we mentioned Friday, because of the his decision to allow a, a, a few years ago allow a baseball pitcher to compete after that baseball pitcher was accused of sexual assault of a minor and so that is those are things that just kind of 
that those died in the vine because of the current circumstances at LSU where you're dealing with a sexual assault issue on campus. And I can tell you that that is one of those things that is above the athletic director. It's above the president. It's probably even above the board. It's it's one of those things where you're dealing with right now. There's there's uh, everybody's going to the uh, the whatever the 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 league of you know women against sexual assault and all these governmental issues and getting quotes on what do you think about this being a candidate blah 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 and it, and it, it dies pretty quickly so scott's run out of what you would call big name hires i mean they're good coaches out there but it is you know unless he's gonna pull off he's not getting tony vitello he's not getting tim corbin um, if not getting those type of guys, the big name guys are off the board right now. And sometimes that happens. And so what, what is happening is Skip Burtman, you turn to Skip Burtman and Paul Maneri and what are you thinking? And obviously Mike Bianco's a big name and, you know, he may not be as big as some of those others, or, or maybe he is. I, you know, I don't know that neither here or there, there, I think you hit on it. It might be good for both. Maybe. You know, Mike getting over in 21 years, and it's hard for me to believe it's been 20-plus years because it seems like he was catching over there five years ago to me. Um, maybe it's a chance for him to go somewhere where he can take, you know, he can maybe improve his chances of getting a title. And then for Ole Miss, maybe, maybe if they can convince, a, you know, the I don't know, maybe the guy from Louisville who's got a background, McDonald, who's the Cliff Godwin, Maybe it's a reset for Ole Miss. Maybe they think that Mike has taken it as far as he can, or you know. And so it's it's not. It may be one of those things that maybe Ole Miss is would kind of like to see him stay, but maybe kind of excited if they get maybe some new juice and maybe he can go to the. You know, one of those it's things. Funny, it's funny you mentioned Dan McDonald because you and I did not discuss this beforehand um, because any pre-show that we were going to have got interrupted when I had to take a phone call. Um, listen, there's a, there's a, there's a scenario that could potentially be in play where everybody wins here, where Mike takes the LSU job and Dan McDonald leaves Louisville for Ole Miss. It's kind of a win for everybody. Uh, not a knock on Mike at all, but Dan would get people excited. He took over Louisville. Uh, Louisville was a nothing program. He made it a national power. Uh, I think they've been to Omaha seven times. In I don't 14, 15 years. I haven't. I need to look up the math, and I will look up the math here in a little bit, and because I've I've got some stuff to write. But you know, can they get Dan? I don't know. Can they get Dan to take the phone call? Yeah, I think so. Uh, can they get Dan to listen? I think so. Can they pay Dan? I don't. I don't know that. I don't, I don't know what Ole Miss's financial situation is. They're paying Mike one point two. Probably have to pay Dan. I'm guessing one five to one eight to get him to listen. Can they do that? I don't know. Um, can you and should you are two different things. And if it's not Mike, um, you know, my guess would be that the next person on the list would be Cliff Godwin. And um, after Cliff, I wouldn't know where Ole Miss would turn. And that's where things could get a little squirrely. You know, if you you always there's a there's an assumption sometimes that a, a a search will go a certain way and then it, and then it doesn't and next thing you know you're in scramble mode and we've we've seen that happen and 
and sometimes scramble mode can can get ugly. But I would I would think and I'm, I don't even know why I'm trying to be coy here. Ole Miss will absolutely, assuming that Mike leaves for LSU, Ole Miss will absolutely make sure that Dan McDonald knows that the job's his if he wants it, mm-hmm. and they'll make him say no probably more than once. And then at some point you would move on. There was a sentiment last night, Chris, that Dan might be more interested today than he would have been, say, two years ago. That, you know, he's not working for Tom Jurich anymore. That fell apart at Louisville. Um, he was very frustrated with the Louisville people during the COVID thing when they wouldn't open up the stadium and – um, you know, they didn't have the environment that he has spent years creating at Louisville where Louisville baseball has become a big deal. And uh, he was very frustrated. And he's working for an AD now who is a little bit more of a penny pincher, working for an AD now who is not as interested in college baseball, um, that he's more more interested today. Um, he spent time in, in Oxford. Uh, he was on Mike's staff uh, early on, was a, a big part of what Mike built in Oxford. His uh, his kids are still Ole Miss fans. Uh, his his wife loved Oxford. I mean, there's there's a lot there. But again, you know, Dan's a guy that's at Louisville, and that's his program. I mean, you think about Louisville baseball, and his name comes up very first. He built that program, and so he would have to be willing to let go of that and 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 come back to a, an SEC program. But I'll tell you this, you look around this league right now in baseball, I know we, we talk a lot of football and we're going to switch to football in a minute, but you look around this league in baseball right now, Texas A&M just hired Jim Schlossnagel, who did a <laughs> phenomenal job at TCU. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Tennessee is in the College World Series. Mississippi State, Chris Lamonis has taken Mississippi State back to the College World Series. Uh, Arkansas didn't make the College World Series, but they spent the season ranked number one in the country, and they went into the ninth inning of Game Three tied. So they're one run from the College World Series. And, and Vanderbilt LSU, has the best program going right now. Yeah, Vanderbilt conference. is the best program in the country, and they're back in the College World Series as the prohibitive favorite to win it again. That would be Tim Corbin's third title at Vanderbilt. Uh, I mean, you just look around the league. I mean, even LSU in a quote down year was playing in the Super Bowl. It, it, it still may be the most attractive. LSU still may be the most attractive in its own way in that the support. Yeah. And the I don't know that anybody cares more about it than than the LSU folks. I mean, they're just like ridiculously into it. Kind of like NASCAR is big. Like if you go in Carolina and they're talking NASCAR, like, man, what do you think? Crew chief, they they got a new guy to bring in the riches. You know, it's like, that's, they, they're, they're, it is more of a, you're a big dude on campus if you're the LSU baseball coach, maybe as much as anywhere else, even though Vanderbilt's got a better program and Arkansas may have a little bit more going for it with their, you know, border law. It's and and I will say this: if you are, and we haven't even got to it. There's one. We got three SEC teams in the World Series, and it is a real surprise that we don't have a fourth, if not a fifth. And so yeah. it it is. It's where you're going to make the most money. It's um. It's where you're going to, well, I mean, it, everything leads to more money. And so the, the whole 
it is the best, by far the best baseball league, the baseball people tell me. And if you look at the jobs that are really good, you just mentioned them. So you could make the case that there are more programs that can do things than maybe even some of the bigger sports. Like you just mentioned, Vanderbilt, well, they got their own thing. Tennessee, I guess they're going to pay, well, they're going to pay Vitello. He's not going to leave this year. Well, they're talking about building a new stadium. They're going to build a new stadium. Now, he's he's not happy about it being shared with the AA, but, but we'll see. They're they're not even where they need to be. You go to AM and they just hired Swatch and they go, Blue Bell Park. Florida, but Mississippi State, which Mississippi State, they can't compete for national titles in football. They can in baseball. Absolutely. I mean, they got they got the Taj Mahal, and that is the original great program in the SEC. That was the first one that did it when nobody else was doing it. And, you know, you start looking at it, it's like, man, they may have more teams that can do in baseball than even in football when you think about it. South Carolina won a couple of national South titles. Carolina won a title. You're not going to win a, a national two. championship in football in South yeah. Carolina. Yeah. Arkansas, you know, Arkansas just Arkansas. been in the rank number one in, in college baseball. I know it fell short, but they were absolutely a national championship caliber team. Uh, so you, you can win a national championship at, at Arkansas. I mean, it, it, their fans don't like to think about it, but there was a pop fly down the first baseline that if one of three guys catch it, Two years ago or three years ago, they are the national. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, you can win a national title at Ole Miss. Ole Miss finished third in the country just seven years ago uh, in 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 college baseball. Had they beaten Virginia in, in the first game, they they probably would have won the national title. So you know, I mean, and, and then you got a place like Georgia that's you know really not done in Alabama that you know they haven't done it, but there's no reason why they can't do it. Um, I mean. Kentucky's, you know, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, you look at it. I mean, there are not many programs that you look at and say can't really do it. I mean, Auburn. And I haven't really heard much from Auburn. I remember back in the day when <laughs> the big hurt and all. I mean, they were in I the mean, College World Series just a few years ago. Yeah, a few years ago. So look, everybody has a chance. Missouri hasn't. I guess you know. I don't. I know much about yeah, that. Well, yeah, that's where uh, Missouri, that's where Vitello came from. Yeah, Missouri's probably the one program that doesn't care at all about it um i don't think alabama cares a ton because they're so invested in other things mm -hmm. but you know you look around the league and and there's... but shoot but shoot neil i mean look how good alabama softball is sure i mean it's like i would think that you know they've got everything they need to do it if they get the right guy and you know uh anyway so look i'm not uh i'm not big in the i don't follow kind of watch it now keep track of it um but if you're a baseball guy, and I've, I've learned this from the baseball folks, and I've only talked to a few folks because of, you know, the LSU situation, um, this is where you want to be. So, you know, and I and I wonder, kind of, so look, to, to recap for those that are just joining us, um, my understanding, you know, after going through a number of candidates that just didn't pass the muster of the maybe potential off the field issues at LSU um, that, that Scott Woodard is kind of leaning a lot towards Skip Burtman, who's been pushing a lot for Mike Bianco and recruiting Mike Bianco. And my understanding is that's where that is. It's Mike Bianco's job if he wants it. Um, we'll see what he does. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. I, mean, I know of Mike. I remember Mike when he played. I don't know him. Uh, Neil does. I, I I don't know 
what he would do, what he's going to do, what is, I, I don't know any of that stuff, but um, we'll see how that plays out. I know Cliff Godwin has got a background with Paul Maneri. I don't know, I'll, this is unfair to say this, this is speculative. I would think, you know, whatever, I'm sure Maneri's in line with, with not, not that he's the type that would, you know, say you should, I think he probably would push for Godwin because maybe he's a little bit closer with him. I don't know that. I don't know what's his, but I would imagine the relationship with he and Bianco are really good because the relationship with, with Paul and Skip were really good. Uh, people will read into this that, okay, Skip Bertman's making the decision because, you know, obviously great baseball guy, but this is Scott Woodard kind of not striking out, but because I don't, I don't think it's fair to say he struck out on Kevin O'Sullivan, and I don't know if Kevin O'Sullivan is would have been a good hire or not. I really don't know. I'm not a certainly not a baseball expert, but I, we know how that died and why that died. And Pat Casey, whatever. I do know this that he did tell me what he did that the because he guess he knows the A and M stuff that he knows that the he said the the TCU guy Schlossnagel was either gonna stay there at Fort Worth where he liked it or take A&M's money. We know how that went. So that, so that take place. So, look, that's where it is. We may have a decision. Um, and uh, I think it's, uh, again, if, if Mike says uh, yes, if he, if he puts the ring on his finger, <laughs> to go back to our analogy, then, then he could be, uh, well, he will be the new next baseball coach if he accepts it. If he doesn't, then we'll see where LSU goes uh, after that. If it's Godwin or someone else. I would still think that, I, Neil, I think it's a, I, this is my opinion, and I don't, um, I don't think it's like the LSU jobs, not any less attractive. I think it's every bit as attractive because there's potential to win. I just think that sometimes you just can't get your guy. Okay, Kevin O'Sullivan, that's more on LSU not willing to accept him for things outside the athletic department. <laughs> that, that, that's more yeah. of. That that's, the flagged, man. Huh? That deal got flagged. Oh, well, man, it, it was like, and, and so in other words, it was like, it kind of tells me that, I mean, look, if if Scott brings that to a couple of people on the board, that tells me Scott wanted to, he was thinking, all right, that might be the direction I like, or maybe just floated ideas or whatever. Casey was somebody that got, that was not, was a flag, that was maybe a handkerchief, I don't know, that wasn't maybe a full-flown flag, but that was... So I, I don't know that there's the big hot. I mean, I guess you could criticize LSU for saying, why can't you go get Tim Corbin? Well, because I think they think that, that that most people think now that the Vanderbilt job is the best job in the SEC and that Arkansas may be the best job that's not a private school job. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's, it's yeah, so funny. I don't, I think, I think because of LSU and because of Mississippi State. Well, here's the thing, Chris. I think the SEC is becoming a, a, a big time baseball program where you can do it upright and people are sure proving that well and the sec network makes every every conference yes. national televised here's the thing lsu did contact tim corbin everyone contacts tim corbin nobody can get tim corbin he's he's turned vanderbilt into the preeminent job in the country he's on on his way to a third national title potentially he recruits anyone he wants to recruit he he, he runs the program his way he doesn't have to deal with vanderbilt's administration um, he's got tons of former players now that come back to Vanderbilt to train in the offseason. The program recruits itself. I don't know if you're Tim Corbin, why in the world you'd leave Vanderbilt if it's not to become a major league manager if that's what you want to do. I, I think Tim Corbin's going to stay at Vanderbilt for a long time until he decides to walk away, and then uh, they'll 
assuming that everything sort of stays the same, they'll get anybody they want. I mean, just because, you know, it's, it's just right now today, it's the best job in the country because it's, you have scholarship advantages there that you don't have anywhere else. And then Tim's done a phenomenal job with recruiting and building and all of those things. All right. I want to switch to, uh, while well, I've still got you in case I have to bolt in a minute. I was reading Andy Staples this morning on Twitter. Andy's my friend covers college football for the athletic known Andy since he was covering Florida back when I was covering Auburn and he made it a little bit bigger than I did, Chris. Um, so Andy was talking about, there's a lot of momentum right now potentially to move the playoff quarterfinals, the, the, not the first round, which is going to be on campus, but the quarterfinals, one versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five, to move those to college campuses because college programs are having a hard time sell, getting their season ticket sales where they want them right now. And if you said, hey, look, if you want to go to the national quarterfinal game on campus here in Tuscaloosa or here at Auburn or here in Athens or Baton Rouge or Oxford or wherever, if you want to, if, if you want the potential to get that ticket, you better have season tickets, bud, because otherwise you're going to be SOL paying six time prices on StubHub or Ticketmaster. Um, or anybody else who's potentially out there listening who would like to sponsor this show. We, we, we'd use your ticket, Ticket City or, or whatever. And so the other side of that, and you know where I'm about to go, is that the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl, these powerful, powerful bowls who have absolutely impacted scheduling over the, la over the last however many years of the college football playoff, they're going to say, not so fast. Not so fast. We want that three versus six game national quarterfinal in new Orleans at the sugar bowl. We do not want some four loss team versus some three loss team because they didn't make the playoffs in the sugar bowl. We don't want four loss Mississippi state versus three loss Wisconsin in the Rose in the sugar bowl. That's not what we want. And that's a you you know the the bowls have incredible power, especially the big bowls, uh, over the way that playoff pairings and things have been done. Obviously, both things can't come to fruition. One's going to happen. One's not. Where do you sort of anticipate that that going over the next twelve months? Well, the the thought process of while the having those games at home the if you if you get a if you get a a top seed and you have to play your first game at a neutral site or somebody with a lower seed gets the host a game at home they say well wait a minute why did they get the host a game you, you follow me they think well what let's let's have that at home we discussed it last week that the reasoning behind what they they decided it this way was because of the money in the neutral sites the extra money you get so they're going to have to figure that out. I mean, I, I think it makes sense, more sense, to have those quarterfinal games at the home site. You got to make the money work. I, I mean, it, it, it. No one cares about the fans, but you know that's big. You can have your game at home. You earned it. Now, if you earn it, 
you have to go to Miami, New Orleans, Atlanta, wherever. And and it's it's a little bit ass backwards. You know, I mean, in 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 a in a setup of a tournament, which this is, it it doesn't jive. But it's as I said when we discussed this, this was coming, and we discussed the details last week. It's all about the money. So how do they make a home game at Alabama? bring in more money than if they played that same game, that first game that they would play in a neutral site. That's what they have to figure out. That's what they have to rectify. That's what they have to work through. Look, it's their job to figure out the finances of that. But that's that's where I think they that's where I think the discussion is. And quite frankly, it's the only thing that really made people question about the 12-team playoff. Some people don't like it, and a lot of people don't. I mean, that's fine, but it, as, as if as you're going to do it, it's pretty fair to everyone, even Notre Dame. Let me just tell you, I hear this narrative. Notre Dame's not screwed. Notre Dame, behind the scenes, are saying, shoot, we're, we're fine with this. We're going to host a game. And we don't have, we're not concerned, you know, the four, yeah, we may play, we'll have an extra home game. That means a lot. That means a whole lot. So they're likely, again, if they're seated, you know, where they normally can get seated, five or six, they're going to get an extra home game. They're fine with it. They know that they get a buy by not having to play in the conference championship game. So they might say things, but they're, they're excited. I mean, uh, Jack Swarbrick was on this committee, and you know it's kind of like one of those things where you say maybe publicly, and he came out and said, "Anybody that think Notre Dame gets a gets a you know unfair shake, well, you can put that to rest." But quietly, he's gone back in the room saying, <laughs> "We got a whole extra home game." They know that it's a pretty good deal for them. So I it's I don't know where it's going to go, but I think that's the one thing they're going to look at. And if they can make the finances work, I think that would be modified. I did. What's interesting is there's some concern out there. Like, let's say you're an Alabama fan. You know, let's. It's not even arrogant at this point to say, "Hey, well, we're going to be in the playoff." So, if you're an Alabama fan and you go, "Well, the quarterfinal is going to be in a a neutral site. The semifinal, if we win, is going to be in a neutral site, and we typically win." And the final, if we win, and we win most of the time, is going to be on a neutral site. That's three weeks that I got to travel with my family because we're going to go to the games. So we might have to travel to New Orleans and then to Miami and then to Pasadena. You know what? I think instead of buying season tickets this year, I'm going to go, I'm going to save my money. I'll go to the neutral site game to open the season in Atlanta. And maybe I'll go to the game when Ole Miss play, when Alabama plays at Ole Miss. Maybe I'll go to the game in the Grove, and then I'll go to those three playoff games. I'll spend less money than I would on season tickets, and I'll still see the games I want to see. Right. That's the concern, because that's, that's pretty pragmatic. But if that same fan goes, the only way I can get tickets to the quarterfinal is in Tuscaloosa is if I have season tickets. Now he's got a decision to make, and that's where this is going to get interesting. And, and I think you've got to work through that and figure out what's what's the best because there should be, if anything else, you know, the the getting a top four seed. And for people who have asked and talked about it, that the 
The, the top four seeds are conference champions. They have to be conference champions. If you've earned that, then there should be an advantage. There should be no disadvantage to that. And they need to, they need to kind of work through that so that uh, to the satisfaction of everyone. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, one of the things that uh, I think is going to, uh, going to, you know, that that's going to be the big thing. We should maybe know more this week. Um, I, I think the, the floating of the information and everybody that's involved in this process, um, leak this out for a reason. You know how that is, the old political operative narrative. Let's float an idea and let's see how people, you know, and, and I do think there's enough there to where you can massage a few things like this. Now, this is a big issue. It's more than just a massage, but but I think it's a fair point. If the one thing that stood out to me and said, well, wait a minute, okay. So if you're the fifth seed, you host a game. If you're the first seed, yeah, you get a buy, but you're going to go to a neutral site. And I think they're thinking, you know, no, 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 let's, let's make sure that everybody... Um, can can feel like all right. There's no disadvantage to being the five seed because that becomes a real competitive issue that you look at. Hey, we just shouldn't be the fifth seed. Well, no, because you got to play an extra game. But if you can get a buy, win your conference, and get a home game, that makes the most sense for the fans, for everyone. But how do they get? How do they rectify? Are they leaving money on the table? I don't see anybody leaving any money on the table. Yeah, <laughs> so let's see how that plays out. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious. And we got time because it can't happen this season. And I don't think it can happen in 22. So it, it's, it's 2023, the earliest. Yeah, so they've got two years to get it all worked out. I, SEC media days are coming up in about four weeks, I guess. I anticipate that being a, a, a really big conversation when uh, Greg Sankey takes the podium at the beginning. And by the way, SEC Media Days are going to be in person this year, which is um, awesome because I think there had been concern that it was going to be, you know, virtual. Uh, you, you, I'm I'm zoomed out. I mean, I think Zoom's a, <laughs> I, I think Zoom is a nice tool, and you know, and there's some thought. It's kind of interesting. There's some thought that. Um, at least in 2021, that uh, some schools are going to encourage visiting media to just do Zoom, to maybe keep keep the press box from being a, a zoo, keep the sidelines from being a zoo, to maybe use this as a tool to sort of cull the herd, if you will, a little bit. Um, but it's it's it'll be the first time I've been going to games since the 19 season, which will be weird to be back at, in stadiums. But anyway, SEC Media Days will be in person, and that's going to be a big topic because obviously this 12-team playoff, as you referenced the last time you and I were together, it didn't happen until the SEC signed off on it. The SEC had the ability to go, nope, not going to happen. And it happened, and it happened because the SEC felt confident with the way it's going to go. But there are some things that have to be addressed, and keeping the Bulls happy and also keeping elite programs happy with their season ticket sales it's gonna it's gonna require some finesse and some nuance, and we'll see. Think about this: the SEC signed off on it. the The AAC and the Mountain West are excited about it. Where can you go to get everybody? Please, this is not a, this is not easy to do. In fact, I would have said it's damn near impossible. 
that's pretty pretty good. Now, you know, a couple of things, and we'll address a couple of questions here. Um, what does it really mean? Um, because, again, I think it was Sammy that asked, are the top four seeds get by? Yes, top four conference champions. Um, not likely that, I don't want to say never, because never is, you know, you're not going to see a G5 team. It's highly, highly, highly unlikely they're going to be, you know, a, a top four seed. It's possible in a year where all heck breaks loose, but unlikely. But they get their seat at the table. They get a shot. Um, and so they're kind of excited there. Um, and, you know, the um, getting a seat at the table is a big part of what they want. But the SEC signed off on it because it allowed the same amount of at-large teams, which who has their cup, you know, spilleth over every year with, at-large team candidates that look like they could be playoff caliber. I mean, you know, it's it's the SEC. The other thing that I think is interesting is you notice that the SEC had even more say-so. And you say, well, well, of course they're the best. Keep in mind, I don't know what these discussions would have been like, or it, Neil, if they would have been different if Jim Delaney's in the room and John Swafford's in the room. I, I'm not saying I know what their stance would be. I right. kind of think I know what Jim Delaney's stance was. Swafford may be more along the lines of, you know, going along live with the SEC's doing. Those two guys are gone, so let's look at it. We've obviously Greg Sankey is people will look at, and he replaced a, a legendary commissioner. And people criticize Greg. He's done a nice job. He's just his only his only fault is he's not the other guy that he replaced. Oh, okay, well you can't do anything about that. ACC new commissioner John Swarford's gone. Big Ten we know that Kevin Warren is not in any sort of power position. Neither is the ACC guy. Bob Bowlesby is moved up in kind of a, a, a voice that's louder than those two, but they're not the Big Twelve. Is not, the Pac-12's got a commissioner that they ran out of town and got a new one. So I, I I think the timing had a lot to do with this, too. I think COVID issues, I think loss of revenue, I think the leadership changes had a lot. Pac-12, Big Ten, ACC all have new commissioners that have no real power or the voice is not as strong in the room. So if Greg's okay within the SEC and you can get the – because we're in an era of everybody should get a chance, then, you know, Mike Oresco's had a loud voice, the Mountain West Conference Commissioner. Now, Craig's been, been involved in it. He, he So I think and, – and, and again, Jack Swarbrick is the de facto commissioner because he's a, the Notre Dame athletic director. Those folks all saw merit in it. I'm sure that they didn't agree and love everything, but they saw, you know what? This is a pretty good deal for us. It is. It's a pretty more, good deal for us. The more I think about it, the more I love it. Initially, I didn't like 12 teams. I thought it's too many. But it works in the NFL. And how often do wildcard teams go to the Super Bowl? Not often. But we, we, I mean, you and I spent time on our show talking about the wildcard games. Hey, who's going to win this game between the Colts and the Chargers or whatever? 
And neither one of those teams, I'm, I'm just making teams up. Those, you know, the, typically the fifth or sixth seed in the AFC or the NFC is not going to the Super Bowl. We talk about those games. Right. And and you and I talked about this the last time we did a show. So let's say you do that five versus 12, six versus 11, seven versus 10, eight versus nine. And, and then the, the eight seed is Cincinnati. And Cincinnati gets Oklahoma on campus. How big of a game is that for Cincinnati? How big of a game is that for TV? I'm watching. And so instead of what you do, you have to you have to give I think you have to give some credit to the people that are running college football who looked at it over the last few years and said, "Hey, you know, we've got this we've got this powerhouse. Yes. College football is big time and everybody loves it and everybody watches it and we're making money hand over fist, but if we if we take a step back, and look at what's really happening in our sport. We've got the same teams in the playoff every year. There's a little bit of fatigue. It's a little stale. The bowl games have lost some of their luster. The, the top players are opting out of bowl games with regularity now. Remember when Christian McCaffrey did it? It was like, oh, my God. Now it's like, yeah, yeah I figured he would. No one thinks anything about it. So maybe we ought to get ahead of this. We're in great shape, but if we let this thing continue like this, maybe we decline, and you never want to decline. And so maybe they're saying this is our opportunity to sort of read the tea leaves, get ahead of this, and make a big jump. And that first year, Chris, in 2023, when it's a 12-team a playoff, that preseason is going to be so much more interesting than the preseason that we're about to have, which is still going to be interesting. But now, instead of the conversation in this part of the country being, hey, can anybody beat Alabama? I don't think so. Who could possibly? Now it's like, hey, you know what? You don't have to beat Alabama to make the playoff. And so you suddenly you suddenly have a completely different conversation over the course of a season, where even in the course of a year, like let's take, I don't know, let's take LSU. Let's just use them as an example. We've talked about LSU a lot today, so why not make it a trend? Say you have an LSU team that's kind of young, got a young quarterback, got a good defense, but the quarterback's kind of young, and they drop a game early in the season. Maybe they drop two games, but then they become a house of fire, right? And and they end up 10-2, and two, and they don't play for the SEC title because they didn't make the game, but they're 10-2, and two, and they're in the playoffs as the nine seed. Well, no, in a normal year, that 10-2 and two LSU team that didn't make the, the championship game, they're playing in the Capital One Bowl against Penn State or somebody. And, yeah, it's a good game. And you talk about it in Baton Rouge, and you talk about it up in Pennsylvania. And people who bet on it, they watch it or whatnot. But it's not that big of a deal. The truth is that game gets played, and the minute it's over, nobody gives a damn ever again because it doesn't matter. But now, if it's nine-seed LSU, Going to eight seed Penn State in a in a first round game for the right to play number one. Well, now you're talking about it totally different because we're saying, boy, I tell you, LSU in September wasn't so good. Today, they might be the hottest team in the country. And we're having that conversation. And then LSU beats Penn State. And now all of a sudden, LSU gets a rematch with number one Alabama. And the last time they played, Billy Joe Johnson, the young quarterback for LSU, he was a little shaky, but you look at his last seven weeks and he hasn't been shaky at all. And this could be interesting. 
It's a total reset of the storylines for college football. And quite frankly, it's significantly more attractive than what we've had in the past. Because Billy Joe Johnson finishing up his season against Penn State in the in the Capital One Bowl in a game that doesn't matter, and Penn State's top four defensive players are all seniors and they all opted out because they're going to the NFL, who cares unless you're an LSU fan, unless you're a Penn State fan, or unless you're just a junkie who watches football. And there's plenty of those too. But you want to make your sport even more mainstream, you have to have more games that are meaningful. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Grind brings up a question, true or false, the 12-team playoff benefits Wisconsin, Florida, and Texas the most. Well, I don't know about those three teams, but the teams like that. So let's take them. Yeah, you get 12 teams in the playoff. You know, Wisconsin, Texas, if you have a good year. I mean, I don't know if it – what it does, it gives a Texas a chance. If they can't get by Oklahoma, it gives them a chance to still make the playoffs. For Florida, if they can't get by Georgia – they can still make the playoffs. Wisconsin, if they have a really good year, win the West, and can't get by Ohio State, which you know, it's difficult to do, you can still make the playoffs. So that's going to be considered now for a while. You make the playoffs, well, a lot more teams are going to make the playoffs. So you're going to look at it and say, good, good year. Now, at what point, though, is the narrative going to be, well, you made the playoff, but you haven't won it? Because... That's sure. the narrative right now to Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. Well, he's gotten there, but he hadn't done anything. So now Kirby Smart gets railed because he hasn't won at all. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, he's made it there and probably because of where he's situated, you know, could have made it even in a 14 playoff at least one, if not two other times. They're going to make it every year now. Now, if he makes it and he doesn't do anything, I think there'll be greater criticism for some. Because for the elite program, if you're Alabama, if you're Clemson, if you're Ohio State, um, if you're Oklahoma, if you're Georgia, if you make the playoffs and you don't win, you're going to get hammered. Because right now, when they make it in the four and they don't get it, they get, not hammered, but they get, well, you're not as good as... Well, sorry, nobody's good at Alabama. Alabama is the proverbial you-know-what in the punch bowl. They kind of ruin it for everybody. <laughs> you know, it's hard to be so graphic this morning, but it's just like everybody, if you grade it, which everybody does, you win a title or you suck, well, everybody sucks, with a little bit of the exception of Clemson. We're getting to the point where another two years, and maybe after this year, if Ryan Day doesn't win it all, he ain't no Urban Meyer. Sure. Da, 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 da. You know, he's he's gotten a little bit of a pass because he hadn't been at, at Ohio State as long as Kirby's been at Georgia, but we're getting that. So I think certain programs will. So here's the thing. If you're Florida, if you're Wisconsin, if you're Texas, man, if you're Texas and you make it to the playoffs, if you're Florida, you make it to the playoffs. Well, if you're Texas and you're Florida in a 12-team playoff, shouldn't you make it to the playoff? Shouldn't that be the floor of where you are? Should be. Should be. Should be. I mean, really. Um, So if you don't do anything in the playoffs, I don't know about that. Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin would be pretty doggone happy. If you're Wisconsin, you're Iowa, you're Nebraska, you can get in as the second team in the Big Ten. You have a really good year. You lose to Ohio State. You're in good shape. If you're Michigan, Throw them in with Florida and Texas. 
all of a sudden, Michigan would have made some of these, couple of these playoffs in the 12-team format and, and could. But if they make it every year and they Harbaugh still can't beat Ohio State, is anything really going to change? It's going to be, well, they made the playoffs, but unless they get hot and win in the playoffs, it's going to, yeah, he made the playoffs for three years in a row, but so what? He's not doing it. So I think the narrative is going to change for some, and and the change is, man, it's going to be certain programs that are, man, they're good enough to make it to the playoffs. That's great. That's a great year for them. That narrative is going to change in a positive way. But the ones that do make it eventually, if you make it and don't do anything, it, it, it just doesn't affect. I mean, take a guy like, go back to baseball. Who's, I think LSU tied, tied Cal Fullerton for the most trips winning. Mike Martin of Florida State's won the most. I think he's gotten there. The I think he's won the most super regionals, most regionals, I think. Yeah. Yet, I don't think his Mike, he never won a national title, has he? Never won. And, a- and that's one of those things where he's a legend, but he's a legend without winning a title. Um, you know, I think you, you will get to the point where you may have a football version of that. Man, you make it. What about Florida State? What about in three years if Florida State builds their program good enough? They are not going to jump ahead of Clemson anytime soon unless Clemson falls back. But Florida State is capable of, in two or three years, building the second-best program in the ACC, maybe making the national playoffs. That would be like, that would be the ultimate right now. But eventually, if you don't win in the playoffs, then that's going to be a different narrative by their fan base. So we'll see how that plays out. We've been brought to you today by Blue Sky. Blue Sky believes in being fast, fresh, and friendly through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores. Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast, easy buying experience from services to products. Blue Sky plans to keep the things fresh and always provide the freshest flavors of the brand name products and the best services available. They've been bringing some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. I know a lot of people are out traveling. It's summertime. People getting ready for the 4th and uh, enjoying things being open and all of those things again, uh, hitting the roads. You see one of those 48 uh, store locations of Blue Sky across the southeast. Uh, stop. Tell them hello. Tell them you heard about them here on um, SEC Football and Beyond. And um, we'd appreciate that. And you'll appreciate yourself for stopping because it's going to be clean. It's going to be nice. And uh, you're going to feel nice and safe in any Blue Sky location where you stop. We're also brought to you by Alpha Specialties, 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. They're your trailer-specific professional. If you want to haul it, they can call it. They've got the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail, Hallmark Cargo Trailers. They also work with third parties to have game day trailers, concession trailers built, getting ready for the middle school football season, the high school football season, uh, and your booster club or whatnot needs a uh, concession stand that's kind of built just for you, one that you could move around if you needed to or one that you just need installed at your stadium. The people at Alpha can take care of that for you. They also have spare tires and wheels starting at just $100. Full selection of trailer parts and accessories, hitches, winches, straps, more. Alpha of MS.com. Alpha of MS.com or 601-932-9798. couple of notes on the way out the door. Arkansas is hiring Dwell Loggins to coach their tight ends. 
Saw that. Obviously, uh, now he comes from Penn State as an analyst. He was the offense coordinator of the Jets and the Titans. Uh, a lot of experience. Good get for them and really good teaching the run game, run blocking. Um, so really, really good uh, signing for them and, uh, and, and Sam. They moved uh, tight end coach to offensive line. To offensive line coach, correct, which really fits and because he worked a lot with the tackles, particularly in the run game anyway. So it's a it's a absolutely natural fit. Probably one that he would have made if this would have move would have been made in January. You know, meaning, you know, it, he probably would have promoted up, but but definitely at this stage, bringing somebody else new, it makes a lot more bringing the new guy in the tight ends, that's the way you want to do it. Because you know, I, I think that makes a whole lot of sense what they're trying to do. Shows you that Arkansas <laughs> is pretty committed to being a, a run-oriented team. A, a pro Offensive sport. line coach is yeah. your head coach, bud. <laughs> they love that. Um, well, you know, they, they think, and I, I've been up there some because with, with Campbell going to school there and I've talked to some people, they, they just aren't convinced that they can recruit consistently the athletes that you need to run more of a spread-style system, a high-octane offense. I think everybody wants to do that but sometimes you got to evaluate who you are and they're not convinced that they can get into florida and 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 win those recruiting battles in texas that you have to do to to put the five wides on the field that can do that to a defense but they do think on the other hand that hey we can have an identity that maybe bielema was on to something he just didn't do it the way it needed to be done you can that you can run a different style as we play in this league that's more and more and more and more wide open when you line up and you get super physical, sometimes people aren't prepared for that on a one-off. But I don't, well, I don't think they're trying to become the wishbone. I just, I just think there's some concern that hey, this this spread that. Well, the, the Chad Morris situation failed. didn't work. Right, it flopped. That's why they're. It's what happened most recently, and that was a disaster. Chad was going to recruit the heck out of Texas because he had all that background, yeah. and he was an ultimate spread guy. He was a big part of starting the Clemson success, right. and it both flopped. I mean, it was ba- I mean, that was beyond bad. That was a disaster, and yep. I didn't think it would uh, work. By the way, I'll tell you the story. One uh, Chad asked me to help him get the old Miss job. I'll tell you that story when we have more time. By the way, because he was remember that was kind of coming to anyway. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Bielema was brought in to challenge the Alabama-LSU run because you had less run in the football and before Nick changed it, that was the power. So it was like, oh, we're going to do that and you can bring the Wisconsin-Iowa formula to where you can maybe not beat them consistently but challenge them. Out the door and doing my previews and I throw in a few nuggets I'm working on the Alabama one. By the way, the Ole Miss one is going to be coming up within the hour. Finished it. Just got to touch it up. But Alabama, we talk about recruiting, and that's certainly what they do better than anybody. But they also are the best at developing players. Do you know since 2008, the five stars that Alabama has recruited, 49% of them have gone on to be first-round picks. Wow. Okay, that's the definition of development. That's why, that's, you, and that's why you keep landing five stars. That's why you get them, and you know, you say, "Well, why is everybody?" You know, you want to say, "Well, well, they went up. Why? Why?" That's why they recruit the best, and they develop the best. 
So when we talk about the developmental programs, those are the programs that get the most out of less of, of, of the least. And, and there's a lot of them that do. We talk about them all the time. When you got programs that recruit really at a high level, when you do the best at both, I mean, it's why everybody else is kind of, the storyline of college football is, can anybody beat Bama? That's it. Let me say that again. Since 2008, their five-star recruits, 49% have become first-round draft picks. First-round draft picks. So uh, we're getting our uh, all our previews, at work in our previews. Nuggets like that, news and notes, recapping everything, roster analysis, projected depth card, who graded out on the best players on each team last year, uh, incoming recruiting last evaluation. So we got it all for you. Recapping the biggest story of the day that we opened up with, follow Neil McCready today and the folks at Rebel Grove. Will he stay or will he go? Mike Bianco appears to be the target of LSU now after going through a number of different um, options that haven't worked out. Mike Bianco appears to be the guy that LSU at least wants to be their new head coach. Will Mike, being there 20-plus years, settled in Oxford, decide to stay? Will he go? Does How does that all play out? We'll def, I am comfortable in saying we will definitely have that answer when we meet together on Friday, but we're possibly, I think, going to have an answer maybe within the 20. I don't know if, if Neil has an opinion on when, the timeline. It may happen, but I know this. Neil will be on top of it. We'll have it. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, Neil, give everybody that Twitter handle again, please. It's my name, Neil McCready, and you can also follow at Rebel Grove. We I, Rebel I Grove. typically do more more Ole Miss related tweets from Rebel Grove. So follow him there, and we'll keep you up to date. The College World Series is set; three SEC teams in it. Uh, and folks, you got to join us on Friday because we want to give all the fathers a happy Father's Day wish on Friday. For those of you that can't join us on Friday, maybe you. Maybe the missus and the family's taking you out. We wish you an early happy Father's Day. But join us Friday is we'll have probably that and certainly a lot of football discussions to take place uh, on Friday. Neil, I know you're busy. I appreciate that. I didn't think I'd have you for an hour. I thought you would be whisked off. Uh, I thought we'd have maybe breaking news that would just somebody. I thought we'd be, what's the story like in the uh, cartoons where, what is it, like the cane that somebody grabs you by the neck and pulls you off the set? I thought we were going to have that today. Yeah, I I wasn't sure. After the last call that I got, I was pretty confident it had a little time. This afternoon is the earliest I think it could happen, but we'll see. These things are these things are organic as they are, they're, they're fluid and we'll see. And it's about a decision that he has to make for his family. We'll see what he does. Man, we certainly appreciate grind and Chet, um, and Sammy and Georgia Reb, um, and Jeff prepared always with us. Um, uh, who else joined us? Gosh, um, uh, LSU talk, a uh, good friend there. Uh, gosh, I, I apologize if I'm missing somebody. Uh, it looks, you know, uh, uh, Blake, Blake, join us. Appreciate all of you joining us. This is what we do the show for. We are uh, in the process, Neil and I, of working out um, uh, even ways to make this show better, bring it even onto different platforms with some different folks. So more on that as we try to figure that out the rest of the summer. But we're, we're here. We're excited about what we're doing. We're excited about you guys. It's the middle of June. We're excited. Can you imagine the excitement as we get closer to football season and Folks, we, we plan on being here in uh, 2023 when we, we're talking about the 12-team playoffs as well. So, Neil, um, man, f- parting words, and um, 
anything you got to say and good luck rest of the day i know you'll be busy yeah no just uh follow along we'll have the oxford exxon podcast on uh mpw digital and rebel grove as well a little later in the day maybe a little later this morning i'm not exactly sure so those who want more of the bianco old miss drama will have it for you and i'll talk to you on friday all right for neil i'm chris have a great one everyone